Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's the Sal Sports and Stuff podcast, episode number 23, a very special podcast with a very special guest. Somebody I've admired for a long time, somebody I've listened to for a long time, somebody I still listen to, and somebody I've wanted to talk to for a long time. Finally was able to make it happen. And it is Robbie Takak of the Goo Goo Dolls. If you grew up in Buffalo, you know all about the Goo Goo Dolls. And if you like music at all, you know who the Goo Goo Dolls are. Robbie is the bassist and a vocalist for the Goo Goo Dolls. They've had a tremendous, he's had a tremendous life and career. In this interview, we're going to talk about that life and career growing up in Buffalo, what it was like playing at some of the venues they played at, talk about the anthology of the Goo Goo Dolls from their beginnings to where they are today, some of the things he has going on right now. Some of the cool stuff from the past, including that epic July 4th, 2004 concert in the pouring rain in downtown Buffalo and Niagara Square. We get into that as well as a lot more. Before I get to the interview with Robbie, I want to say thank you very much to Sam Rudnick of Entercom Buffalo, radio.com promotions manager. She did an amazing job to help set this up with Steve from the management of the Goo Goo Dolls. Without them, I wouldn't have been able to talk to Robbie. And here is Robbie Takak of the Goo Goo Dolls on the South Sports and Stuff podcast. First, Robbie, thank you very much for doing this. Uh, I have been a big fan of the band for a long time, growing up myself here in Western New York. I'm, we're a little bit about the same age. I'm just a few years younger than you, but um, this is uh, something I really wanted, been wanting to do for a long time, so I'm glad we were able to do it today. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I'm glad to hear you talk about a little bit more than sports because, quite honestly, it'll be a pretty short conversation with, with the <laughs> breadth of my knowledge of sports. So, uh so uh, it's good to hear. No, well, no, it's a great to be here. For well, sure. I grew up a drummer myself, and uh, but you know, it, I was such a sports guy. I was so heavily into sports that I really never was able to play in a band per se. I didn't have time to do things like that. So you know, you do what I have always wanted to do, which is be on stage. I'm on entertainment in a different form. You're on the stage in front of a lot of people. So you know, you've been able to experience that you know your whole life. You've had quite a, a journey, and obviously, people who are from Buffalo should know who you are as a guitarist for the Goo Goo Dolls. But I want to talk about that growing up and in Buffalo and what it means to you. So let's let's go all the way back to, you know, just growing up in West Seneca and what life was like for you. Uh, I don't know, probably pretty normal. You know, I was I was born in South Buffalo, so uh, I still held a lot of roots in that area. You know, uh, you know my family moved out to West Seneca and uh, you know, started playing in bands and stuff out there you know, realized, uh, after a little while that, uh, 
<laughs> after strapping the uh, the uh, couch cushions to my legs and being handed a baseball glove and a hockey stick for many, many years, uh, I realized that position and goalie just meant that uh, <laughs> I couldn't really play hockey or really any sports very well. So I ended up uh, uh, playing in a lot of bands, you know, um, you know, you, you realize pretty early that, you know, you got to meet girls and <laughs> do all that other kind of stuff in some way and I, I wasn't doing it in doing it in academia or sports so I headed uh, towards music and you know my idols became you know Mick Jagger and you know Keith Richards and you know and the like and um man it sort of led me down that road you know and uh and here I sit. Yeah, it, it might have been the uh, Milek street hockey pads, though. That did it. Nobody really did well in those, Robbie. Okay, so Dude, it's okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it was, it was, you know, it's like car, you know, everybody's running out of the way, you know, and I'm trying to pull the net out of the way with, yeah. with, with couch, cushion, couch cushion stress, you know, strapped <laughs> my legs. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally get it. Now, those um, those idols you mentioned, you know, mainly vocalists there. But, you know, what bands really started influencing you? What sounds were really a part of you really attaching on to music and loving it? Yeah, I had I had uh, older uh, relatives, you know, uncles and cousins who turned me on to a lot of great music, you know, stuff like, uh, you know, Roberta Flack and um, uh, America and um you know, the Rolling Stones, of course. And, uh, and uh, a little bit later, you know, I discovered, you know, <laughs> you know, what every 16 year old of my age discovered, you know, bands like Kiss, you know, and yep. stuff like that. And yeah, and that really ignited a whole different part of my mind, you know, something that was a little bit different than everything else that I was, you know, being all the great music, you know, that I would had been being turned on to, you know, as a, young person but but that definitely set me apart from them you know they didn't get that and um you know i think that that sort of opened the doors to a lot of other things because i got used to liking music that people didn't really get and um you know the more people i met you know the more places i went in town you know the more i ventured out of the south towns and you know came downtown and met more and more people you know the more and more music i discovered and uh, you know, eventually got into radio and uh, doing that kind of stuff, and uh, you know, active, you know, the whole uh, uh, atmosphere just exploded for me. It was great. Do you remember the first like concert you went to, like big concert at the Odd or anywhere else? Yeah, so I'm in Lake and Palmer. That was awesome uh, at the at the Odd. I saw a guy named Jean Luponte. Um, saw Todd Rundgren really early on. Yeah. Um, the kinks yeah i saw a lot of bands early on you know it was it was uh we used to go to a lot of concerts concerts weren't you know they weren't that expensive really you know so you know we we would go to a lot of shows you know especially at the odd i actually got to play a show at the odd which was pretty great before it got torn down that's that amazing was, that was fun and then yeah. i know I, before all that though i know you guys went around and played some smaller venues in buffalo i, I do want to ask you though when you say you know you got into radio a little bit i read about that you wanted to get into radio and you actually worked at a local radio station from what i read online like what was the extent of that and where was that uh, I, I actually worked at a bunch of radio stations uh in buffalo over the years i worked at woo 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 fm 1077 i worked at the same frequency when it was the lake. I did a local show there. I was on the Fox. I was on the, uh, I voiced the edge for a while. I did, uh, um, yeah, did a lot of commercials, um, 
voice some stuff for the Buffalo Philharmonic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I, I sort of keep in it a yeah. bit, you know, but, but um, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I always felt like it was something that I was going to have to fall back on by now. <laughs> right, right. You know, so, but, you know, I mean, you never know, you know, life, uh, you know, life, uh, you know, leads you in funny ways for sure. What were the first bands that you became a part of and how did they, you know, come together? Uh, when I was a kid, I was in like a lot of cover bands and stuff growing up, you know, uh, through, you know, junior high school, high school, that kind of stuff. Were you guys, um, were you guys popular? Did you play at like school venues? Did you just like do backyard parties and people came by or just go yeah, out stuff? Yeah, it was stuff like that, you know, backyard parties. I used to play uh, at McVans, you know, uh, with cover bands. I, played, yeah, I used to play a lot of, you know, all the local venues here in town that, you know, everybody did, you know, Cougars and um, um, the Purple Moose, you know, I don't know, I could go on and on, you know, just like all these old venues, you know, and just playing cover songs, learning how to be in a band, learning how to play my guitar, you know, learning how to go hang posters up, you know, um, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, you know, all that stuff that, you know, rock and roll university, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) you know, that stuff that you got to learn, you know, uh, and then it comes time where you meet some people and I, you know, happened to meet John and, um, you know, and George at the time. And, um, you know, we started writing our own songs and that was really my first foray into that kind of thing. And, you know, man, it was 30 some years ago now. So. Yeah, I, I read um, first name of band was the Monarchs, I believe, or that you were in. Well, that was, yeah, that was one of my cover bands when mm-hmm. I was a kid. Yeah, we used to, like I said, play like McMahon's and, and you know, all those kind of like little hole in the wall and places, uh, Buffalo. And, and I, my brother is a little bit older than me. He would see you guys. You're, it was a little before I was able to go to these places, but uh, Blind Melons, I know, is a place which used to be Sinbad, yeah. I believe, back in yeah. the day. Yeah, absolutely. Gugadal's played Blind Melons. I don't think uh, uh, Gugadal's ever played Sinbad's. I played Sinbad's with a couple of uh, of uh, bands when I was a kid, but um, you know, same building, you know, same stage, and us. But we ended up, uh, yeah, that ended up being a uh, the last place that we did with our the, the last show we did with our first drummer was actually at at uh, Blind Melons on, on New Year's. Tell so, me the first time you met Johnny. What did you think of him? Uh, he was a trip, man. He was playing in a band with, uh, my cousin called the Beaumonts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I came in to play rhythm guitar for the Beaumonts. I never had a rhythm guitar player. And, um, yeah, and I don't think he knew actually that there was a rhythm guitar player coming and he showed up a little late and he showed up and there was another guy playing guitar, which I'm sure kind of freaked him out a little bit. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, we, we, kind of got it on you know he he and i got on really well and and uh we started spending more and more time together and that band started kind of falling apart a little bit and we had ideas of our own and um you know before you knew it you know we were in the studio i was intern at, at a recording studio in buffalo so uh before you know it we uh you know we're in the studio recording some stuff and some people in New York heard our songs and decided they liked them a lot. And uh, a local guy here named Artie Quitchoff, who was our first manager, kind of made the whole thing happen. And um, yeah, and we ended up releasing a record, which I think has probably sold six, seven thousand copies of at this point. <laughs> Still, <laughs> after all these years, uh, 
uh, you know, just a little punk rock record, basically. And, um, yeah, and that kind of started this whole journey. And then the name Goo Goo Dolls, how did you guys settle on that? Because I'm sure like all artists trying to really make an impact, you want to have something that's people are able to remember at the same time, maybe something personal. Where did this come from? Uh, I did. I think we sort of thought it was funny. Certainly didn't think I'd be 55 and explaining it still, <laughs> you know, like, but, but, you know, it's inevitable when you get a name like that, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. You know, it was a, it was a toy that we saw and at the time we were pretty brash and, and it was about the antithesis of what our name should be. So of course that was the one shows and, um, had a lot of O's in it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally get it. I tell you, uh, Robbie Takehack yeah. of the Google Dolls joining me here on the South Sports and Stuff podcast. Um, what what did you guys you know talk about as far as your sound? I mean, right now you're in the middle of the you know alternative rock say, stage. You know, it's becoming really big in the country. Um, did you have that definitive sound already? Did you decide that you this was the way that you were going to make it if you're going to do it this no, way? No, 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 no. I mean, I, when we started, you know, our, you know, our idol, our, our idols were selling 7,000 records, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, um, you know, we weren't looking, I don't even think we were thinking about a career, quite honestly, that was probably the last thing on our minds. So I think we were just hanging out, having fun, doing our thing, you know, being, uh, uh, I don't know, just, just being young, man, enjoying our lives, you know, <laughs> I guess that's really the only way I can explain it, you know, being in her twenties and, and, uh, you know, being invincible and, and, uh, you know, just being out there, uh, did you have side jobs? It. Did you work at places? Part-time? Yeah, we did all sorts of things, man. Johnny roasted peanuts. <laughs> I was a sound man. <laughs> I was a sound man, uh, uh, at that M and T bank series downtown. I did that for a really long time. Okay. I, I DJed at the Pink Flamingo. Um, John was a, uh, a a bar back at the Continental for years and years. Um, so yeah, man, we always had jobs, you know, working in factories or you know warehouses, doing whatever we needed to do to pay the rent. What What was the time when you guys finally said what happened? What triggered it that you said, you know what this this is maybe going somewhere, and we need to start taking this really seriously, and maybe this could be something for us. You're too busy at that point. Like if it's, if it's going to happen, if it's really going to happen and if it's happening, like you're too busy, um, you're working so hard and things just sort of shift and you don't notice it cause, Mm -hmm. cause you're, cause you're busy and you're working and, um, (laughs) you know, it just, it's, it's just like the struggle becomes a little less, I guess. You know what I mean? I mean, you, you know, more people start showing up to the shows and stuff, but it's just like you're so busy. I don't think there's ever a moment where you often think to yourself, wow, holy cow, look at this. You know, like I'm, I'm successful today. You know? Right. Yeah. Was there, was there people that came aboard that said like, I can help create this vehicle for you? Did, like, did you have to start accepting more of those people into your inner circle maybe who kind of could create some avenues for you to, did, did these things just happen? Like you said, just, Hey, one day you show up and there's 2000 and there's 4,000, then you're being asked to play at the odd one day. No, I mean, we've been lucky enough to have great people in our lives since we were kids, you know? Um, uh, yeah, you know, just friends, you know, people who, you know, took us aside and said, Hey, you watch out for this or, mm-hmm. you know, you know, uh, Hey, you know, I've been through this or that, you know, John Lombardo from 10,000 maniacs was real, uh, 
instrumental really early on in our career. Uh, a guy named Armand Petrie, uh, a guy named Mike Sack, um, who's a local engineer. Um, Kim Frillo, Alan Baumgartner from uh, the track, the, the old Trackmaster Studios, where actually my studio, GCR Audio, is now in that same space. And they're down the street a bit now. But, yeah, I mean, you know, the, uh, just a, a crew of people here, you know, some people real early on, uh, you know, who believed in, in the band, you know, <laughs> enough to lend us a couple thousand bucks. I don't think without those couple thousand dollar loans really early on, we probably wouldn't be here talking to you today because, you know, we wouldn't have been able to pay our rent and still do this, you know. So right. we ended up, you know, so we wouldn't have missed a tour and, you know, perhaps someone wouldn't have seen us and, you know, we wouldn't have had the opportunities we have. So, you know, those people early on, you know, that, you know, lent us what seemed like small amounts of money to us now, you know, I mean, you know, it was a monumental change in our lives, you know? So, uh, you know, it's like this girl, Chrissy Clifford lent us some cash and, and, uh, Andy Parker, like just these guys, just these names. I'm, I'm seem, seemingly pulling out of nowhere right now. But, <laughs> no, it's amazing. Uh, you think you back know, of all the people that help you when you when you. Yeah, you know. Like I mean, that. it's amazing. You know, and 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 you know, it it goes on. You know, straight through to, to uh, till today. You know, a guy named uh, 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 Tom Calderon. I'm sorry, I was spacing mm-hmm. out there for a minute. Uh, uh, who was uh, you know, program director at WBNY? You know, ended up working out at uh, MTV and 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 VH1 and Spotify, and he championed us for years. You know, and and uh, you know, just so many people. You know, in the upper uh, realm of things. You know, later on. You know, but just in Buffalo here. You know, it's pretty amazing. Yep. You know, just the amount of people who believed in what we were doing at the time, and and uh, you know, helped us out. Let's talk about the anthology a little bit. I know you had a few singles along the way that kind of gained some attention, but you know, generally it's considered, and you tell me if you think this is right, it's generally considered Superstar Car Wash really kind of put you guys a little bit more on you know, the map nationally, if you will, and really maybe globally, people understanding who you were. Would you agree with that, or was that kind of maybe a really big breaking point for you? Yeah, Superstar Car Wash. We had a song on that record that 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 we had worked on with uh, Paul Westerberg from one of the bands that we loved called The Replacements, and so he was, uh, you know, he was a, he was garnering a lot of attention at the time. So, um, some so people kind of heard the record, and and uh, you know, it was one of the first records that we kind of went out our safety bubble of Buffalo here, mm-hmm. and and worked on, we worked, uh, a guy named Gavin McKillop produced it, who had worked with like bands like at the time, like the church and general public and told the wet sprocket and, you know, some of the bands of that era. And, uh, so he came in and we did half the record here, uh, and, uh, half of it out in Los Angeles, out in Burbank. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was a, that was, that was a good, that was a cool record for us. You know, that, that really sort of started to cement a sound for us. You know, John was saying a lot more at that point, you know, and I think the band was feeling, you know, getting its footing a little mm-hmm. bit better. And yeah. then A Boy Named Goo, uh, 1995 comes out, uh, obviously 
lots of successful tracks on that. Uh, Dizzy Up the Girl becomes, I think by then you guys are super mainstream at the time, both in the sound and in popularity. Um, what was what was life like for you and how, how crazy were things when these things just started seeming like they were rolling for you guys? Well, once again, busy, you know, yeah. I mean, for for a multitude of reasons, you know, like like. Uh, you know, I could give you like our average day then, you know, like mm-hmm. we would, we would pull into a parking lot at six o'clock in the morning from driving all night from a city before. And there'd be a, a, a dude sitting in a car waiting for us. And he would, we would jump in that car and we would drive to four, five radio stations in the morning. This is like first thing, like we'd roll out of the bus and then we'd go and do sound check and, take a shower and meet a bunch of people and do a rock show. And pretty much we did that every single day for, for, (laughs) for like a couple of years there. It was crazy. Um, it was the most busy I've I've ever been in my life. And, um, so, I mean, it was exciting, you know, that it was all coming down, but sometimes when you're that busy, it's really hard to see the forest through the trees, man. Like, you know, you're, you're just thinking to yourself, Oh my God, how am I going to get to tomorrow? Even, you know, like, like with all this and you're looking at an itinerary and it's like, you've got five straight more months of it, you know, and you're like, Oh my God, how do I do this? Um, you know, we don't, we don't work like that anymore. It's like different for us now. You know, we've, we've put things together differently, you know, but then it was just like, give us anything, you know, let's go, let's do this, you know? And I think that's part of the Buffalo thing, you know, like, I don't know, we weren't afraid to work, you know? And I think, you know, part of that, you know, was definitely put into our DNA, you know, in the, in the mean streets of, uh, below. Yeah. And at that time when this is all happening, you're late twenties, thirties, you know, um, you know, you're you're not a kid anymore, right? You're learning about the business side of things, personal life, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, aside from being busy doing all that stuff, we were also, you know, we were we were, how do you say it, uh, 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 riding it hard and putting it away wet. Yeah, I think they say, yeah, like we were like rocking out hard, man. We were making it happen, and and, and uh, you know, this was one of our first tastes of, you know, really, you know, being, you know, having this kind of level of success and having, you know, the, the trappings that come with all that stuff. And, you know, we got trapped a few times for sure, you know, but, uh, I think, um, that took up a lot of time. (laughs) I don't know how else to put it. It, Like it took up a lot of time. And, uh, I think, you know, with that sort of being gone right now, you know, that, you you know, out of my life, you know, out of general life, you know, the pace is, you know, the pace is much different, you know, than it was. Um, you know, so I guess you don't, you know, you don't have that, uh, mandatory uh, repair period, you know, that you have, you know, that's necessary for you when you're, Riding it hard and putting it away wet. When you guys were coming up, did, were there any like really big uh, acts, bands, whatever that you opened for that you remember like being on tour with, uh, going to different cities and saying, "Hey, man, I can't believe we're with this particular group or this artist." Yeah, tons, man. Rolling Stones, we opened for for a tour. We opened for uh, yeah, we opened for uh, Bon Jovi for a tour. We did. Uh, Oh man, tons. I don't know. It's hard. Bush, we opened for. 
I'm trying to think of some of the other ones along the way. Cheryl Crow, we did a bunch of shows with. Um, What's it like being on the yeah, road with some of these with some of these bands? Um, you know, it's a different experience every time. You know, sometimes they're really cool and it's really fun, and and it's you know, and it's wild to be. It's even just wild to be around them. You know, um, you know, sometimes if they got something to prove, it's not quite as cool. You know, <laughs> you know, and I I I say that about bands that open for us too. You know, bands that share the stage with us too. It's like you know, sometimes it's amazing, and the vibe is amazing. You know, we went out in the show with Train this summer, and and like everybody was cool, man. The band was great. You know, the crew was great, and everybody got along. It was like we just went in, and it was like you know the summer was over, and everybody's like, oh man, that sucks. You know, <laughs> you know, I wish you could do this another two months. You know. Um, you know, other tours aren't like that quite so much, you know, because there's, you know, friction from day one and, right. uh, you know, it makes it, makes it a little bit, makes it a little bit difficult. One of the, um, most popular, you know, I guess they say at least in Buffalo things that you did was the July 4th concert, 2004 pouring rain, middle of Niagara square. Uh, I know there's a DVD of it. I'll go to YouTube a lot when I'm at the gym just to watch it on the treadmill to pass the time. I, I love watching it myself. <laughs> cool I cool yourself off. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I love it, man. It's, it's amazing. Um, do you remember that day? And, and what was that like for you guys? Oh, yeah, it was crazy, man. You know, that was that was a stressful thing to put together. Um, you know, uh, I was just coming off of the first couple of music is arts, you know, festivals. And so I had I knew some people at City Hall and I sort of like, I don't know, I, I just sort of felt like, man, maybe we can make this happen, you know. Right. <laughs> And uh, we talked to a few people, and we got we got Artie and Quichoff and and Marcel Timo, you know, two of our promoter friends here involved, in kind of making it happen. And we ended up having to secure that whole area, and we had to take down uh, light poles and railings, and uh, and like no, it was just crazy. We had to move flower beds, and, and uh, but we. We ended up getting a stage up and, uh, you know, pretty awesome, man. And I do think, too, I I think to this day that if it didn't rain, that wouldn't have been even close to being as cool of a, a video. Totally as, agree. Uh, it turned out to be, you know, it was like so, it was like by the end of it, it's just like, oh, you got to be kidding me, man. <laughs> it's like, really? No, no, it's right. It's um, like um, when I'm, you know, because I'm on the sidelines for Bill's game as the radio announcer. And like when you have a Blizzard game or something like that, it just becomes more memorable. And especially if it turns out like if you win the game for you guys, it was an epic concert. It went off great. It was in the rain and it just turned out to be amazing and something people remember for a long time. Well, by the end of it, we were like, like we had all these HD cameras when HD sort of first, you know, raised its head. So they weren't very stable. So we were losing cameras left and right. Like, I think by the end, we were like, you know, calling around to our friends, like relatives and going, hey, man, like, does anybody got any, <laughs> any like VHS footage, you know, that we could edit in, you know, because we were just losing so many cameras, you know, people were just whipping out whatever they could find, you know, to, to, to record because it was just, you know, it was just a nightmare. But, um, yeah, it turned out great. You know, another cool thing about that night was. At the end of the the uh, uh, whole night, they had a little bit of a party up on top of uh, I forget what it's called now. It's like an Irish bar on Chippewa. Okay. It's, like, it's a they they have a patio on the Soho? roof. Soho. 
that could be it. It's like okay. five stories high. It's a, or it's on Franklin actually. Okay. It's about five, it's a, it's where the cabaret used to be. Yes. Whatever, yes. whatever the place is. But uh, it, we were on the roof, and there was so much water coming through the sewers that it was tearing power lines off. And there were sparks that were blowing the sewer gas up. So the sewer grates were blowing up in the air. And we were watching it happen. We we're standing on the roof <laughs> watching these watching these sewer grates fly up in the air like 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 quarters being flipped off of somebody's thumb, man. Oh, I'll never forget that. I was up there with Mark Freeland that day watching that happen. I just remember Mark and I looking around going, Oh my god, I will never forget this in my life. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was great. And the night before Arnie DeFranco played with Ben Fold and uh, some other acts too. I can't remember who else played, but, and uh, yeah, yeah, that was, that was uh, really, a, a, that was really an amazing weekend. Uh, you know, one for the, one for the books, that's for sure. And obviously special because it was right here in Buffalo. Why, why have you remained here? I mean, you're a rock star. You could live anywhere in the world basically, and you could do your thing. Why have you stayed in Buffalo? Well, I lived in LA for about 13 years. And then uh, I, John and I started rebuilding the old track matter uh, to work in here. We went, we were going to do a record there, so we went in and rather than giving our record budget to somebody else, we spent the money to fix the place up again. So I had an apartment across the street, and I started spending some time here, and my wife started spending some more time here. And, I started a little label and released a few records from some bands here and I had the studio here and before you knew it I was here more than I was there and as soon as the cats came here you knew it was pretty much over right you know yeah <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as they became buffalo cats and uh <laughs> you know and I experienced the winter here um you know I wasn't going to bring them back again so uh yeah so uh we ended up moving here and I had a daughter shortly after that and um you know that was probably part of the idea as well. And and you mentioned a couple of times different things that you've been involved in since then. It's uh, it's kind of like when you when you're younger and you watch an actor on screen and then you realize later on, oh, that's a director now. I mean, you, you have your hand in the other side of the business as well. Tell me a little bit about that and what that's been like for you. Yeah, I got a I have a, a recording studio. I've had a recording studio for the past I don't know, many, many years, kind of like owning a, a boat, you know, some, <laughs> some, some, some days you're like, I love this place. And some days you're like, what am I doing? This is insane. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it, there's, you know, challenges, you know, as, as there are with owning any business, you know, especially, uh, today, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I mean, there's challenges, but yeah, uh, great recording studio, probably, uh, if I do say so myself, probably the best studio in town. Um, you know, I don't think I don't think you're going to find another place that can that can do the types of things we can do and and have the kind of staff we have and such. Um, yeah, and uh, music is art. Another thing uh, yeah. I'm involved with, which is something we started almost almost 20 years ago now. Uh, it'll be 19 years ago. Uh, we started kind of rumblings of of a of a potential not-for-profit that was going to do some things for the local entertainment and music and art community and um we've been going strong now as a 501c3 now for uh you know like i said probably 18 19 years now which is uh which is uh largely due to an amazing 
staff and uh, board of directors who uh, I actually have a meeting with this evening. All right. Well, that's, and, that's... And, yeah, and, yeah, and a few hours here. And I also have a record label called Good Caramel Records, and we do uh, uh, all Japanese uh, rock bands, actually. Oh, and, really? How, how did that come about? My wife's from Tokyo, and one of the bands that I worked with from Buffalo uh, was called uh, the Juliet Dagger. And they went over to uh, Japan to do a tour, and we uh, did a song with a, a band called Shonen Knife. We recorded a song with a band called Shonen Knife, who I have been a huge fan of. They've been around for about 30 years, longer, 35 years maybe now. Um, and uh, after meeting them, they needed a, a little bit of guidance, lost the label here in the States. And that was about 11 years ago. So I've been releasing their records and some records by uh, uh, some other various uh, Japanese bands over the years. So, uh, yeah, so uh, we've been doing that for a while. I spend a lot of time between here and Japan. And uh, and um, man, I enjoy spreading, spreading that culture here. I'm also involved with the Buffalo Cherry Blossom Festival, which unfortunately was canceled uh for this year right um we're, ho- we're hoping music is art doesn't suffer the same fate or or a google all summer tour uh but as we said that's all on hold right now so so we'll see where that all ends at this point we're forging ahead so well i was going to ask you too what is next uh for the band i know uh, miracle pill was the last uh discography that was released correct and um you know, yeah. what, what's, what's with, tell me a little bit about that and you know, what's ahead for you guys. Yeah. Miracle pill was, uh, uh, goodness. I've, I've lost count. It might be number 13, 12, something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, that came out, um, in the fall, uh, last year. And, uh, so, uh, uh, we went out and toured on that a bunch and, uh, we had a have, a tour this summer set up, which is uh, uh, 45 dates across the U.S. with uh, Lifehouse and uh, and uh, another opener as well. And so that'll uh, and that'll be out after that. We had a Southeast Asia tour booked, unfortunately, that was canceled due to the coronavirus stuff. Right. So, so everybody in our business is holding their fingers as tightly together as they can, crossed, and we're hoping that. Um, you know, this whole thing comes together the way, uh, uh, you know, in a way that makes pe- people feel comfortable enough to get together in large groups again. I mean, I guess that that's the, uh, I guess that's the key there, you know, so. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, when we started this, you and I were talking just a little bit about, you know, how we've had to kind of uh, adjust and do things from home. I'm talking from home. I go on the radio from home. You've been doing things from home. I saw your um, your special last weekend for Kaleida Health. Uh, you did that from home. You were trying to help promote, you know, cleanliness, washing hands, things like that. It was pretty cool. I watched that. Um, just, just, <laughs> just, funny, just, right? Yeah, it was pretty cool. It's a great way to present it. You know what I mean? People come and come for the music and stay for the show, right? I mean, that's the way it is. So uh, yeah. just maybe what, just give us a little idea of, you know, what you're trying to do to help promote and, you know, do the right thing for people here so that they can, you know, we can all get back to normal at some point. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, uh, my friend Paul Cambria, uh, is is involved with Kaleida and, and and he reached out to me and asked if I'd be into doing something like you know like a, a, a stream you know to help benefit them and and uh, I said sure and I had never really done anything like that before so uh, I wanted to make it a little uh, more than just playing a few songs 
so I put together some some uh, PSAs of sorts, which <laughs> which uh, uh, I. Uh, did my best to make entertaining and uh, uh channel two actually ended up picking it up and they ran it on saturday night i guess right. so uh yeah and glad ended up making you know a few thousand bucks at least but you know the idea is is that you know is that people understand you know how important it is right now to make sure that these people who are taking care of this situation have the things they need to take care of it man i don't know how else to put it it's right like, sure like, like that seems pretty simple, you know, like, you know, these people are running into a burning building. I'm not going to do that. You know, like, you know, it's like firemen. It's like, you know, policemen, you know, it's like, you know, that's, I even chose to do that in my life because I don't have that fiber in me. I don't think to do it. You know, these people do somehow, you know, and they should at the very least, you know, aside from like uh, getting an award you know, of some sort, you know, and, 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 and being taken care of, at least getting their health taken care of, for God's sakes, you know, um, you know, they should be recognized for this, you know, and, and, and they should have the things that they need, you know, to make sure that they can do their jobs for sure. So, but anyway, um, off my soapbox here, I just, I just, I just feel like, uh, if I can sing a few songs and goof around for a little while from my back room here, um, that's the least I could do to help out. So, um, yeah, so I uh, did it and it was a lot of fun and, uh, fans seem to enjoy it. And, uh, so I might do it again. Cool. Robbie take heck of the Google dolls. Uh, let's end on a couple of positive notes and, and, uh, fun questions for you. If I may, um, how many guitars do you go through in a typical concert? Uh, we play in a lot of different tunings. So I have about five tunings and I have a backup for each one of those. So I probably have about 10 guitars in every show. That's awesome. Um, yeah. What would be your advice to now? I have a six year old son who he's got his little tiny drum set and I'm a drummer. My, my brother's a drummer. But he said to me before this coronavirus thing that he wanted to start learning to play the guitar. So I reached out to a couple of people and we were about to get the lessons going, but that didn't uh, work out because of the situation. But what would be your advice to him or anybody out there who says, I want to be a rock star someday? Uh, twofold. One regarding the lessons. I, I'm I'm homeschooling with my daughter now, of course, as 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 people are. My daughter's eight. The 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 thing that has blown my mind the most is how she adapts to e technologies. Okay. Like watching something on an iPad. Like she just falls into it, man. Her teacher's in the iPod. She's in her iPad. She's in class, man. Yep. Like I could see it. Like like her demeanor changes, man. So I wouldn't be afraid of getting them on, you know, some Skype lessons with awesome. somebody. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be afraid of that. As far as far as far as the rock star thing goes, I would say that the most pertinent advice I can give anyone is don't do it to be a rock star because that's, that's the wrong reason to do it. Do it because you love to do it. And that way, no matter what happens, you're going to win. It's like, this is a crapshoot, man. Like getting a hit record, you know, it takes a lot of hard work, but like you shouldn't feel like everything you have done up to that point is a failure if it doesn't work because it, it's music and that's why you're doing this, Right. you know, for the songs, you know, um, uh, you know, for the ability to express yourself that way. If you do it for that reason, then you will become successful as a byproduct. That's, like a, that's 
That's great advice. Myself. That's a great answer. I, I I think that should really go for almost anything, but you're right. You know, do it because you love yeah. music. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Unfortunately, everybody can't. Everybody in their life doesn't have the luxury to, 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 you know, have their survival, you know, be attached to that, you know, but, you know, if part of your survival is being creative, you know, then that's something you got to do, you know, so you're going to figure out how to work that in there. <laughs> right. You know, no matter what else you have to do, you know, to make that particular thing happen, you know, and, you know, that was something I kind of didn't get when I was younger, but I, I have a, I, I had this friend who passed away a few, a few years back, Lance Diamond, and, and, and he and I used to talk all the time and he was in a cover band and I, I like, I, I didn't get it. Like I had left that, you know, I had gone on to do something else, you know, and, 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 and I was like, well, why don't you go out there every night and do that? And, and I remember him telling me, dude, it's a blessing that you, that, I get to go out there every night and play these songs and play music, man. Like, that's a blessing, man. Like, who gets to do that, you know? And, like, it's so true, you know? It's, like, it's a blessing to be able to do this. And I think if you forget that, it's, like, this job could 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 be uh, kind of a crappy job, you know, really, because you're gone from home a lot. You know, there's a lot of that stuff. But, like, it's a blessing that... that you know, we're allowed to express ourselves for a living. It's like pretty, <laughs> pretty awesome. Yeah. And that's great advice from another Buffalo legend, by the way, and Lance Diamond, no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Final question. Uh, let's say you're bumping around, you're driving around Buffalo, wherever. Uh, Robbie Takek, when you turn on your music, you put on your iPod, you turn on the radio, whatever. Do you listen to Google Doll songs in the car or do you make no. sure you <laughs> listen to something else? That would be embarrassing, wouldn't it? <laughs> you know? Rocking out to yourself, driving down the uh, street. No, uh, we listen to uh, um, <laughs> uh, my wife and daughter and I listen pretty much exclusively to electro J-pop music. Pretty much, that's that's pretty much what you'll hear in our house. Um, yeah, and uh, Michael Jackson as well. Oh, but, okay. You uh, gotta have the, you gotta have the king of pop. Does your daughter? Yeah. What, what does your daughter know about like your your career? And is she is she into it? Does she listen to your music? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I think she likes coming out to the shows and hanging out on the show on the side of the stage for a few songs, uh-huh. and you know, and she gets you know she gets kind of bored after a while, right. you know. I, I you know, when she was real little, she would hang out the whole show for for as long as she could stay awake. But now she's she's uh, you know, she's you know, there's other things going on. You know, there's food back there. There's you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, there's people hanging around. There's you know, you know, there's video games. There's TVs. You know, there's all sorts of stuff going on. But you know, she's. She's been out on the road with just me before, you know, she's, you know, she sleeps in the bunk with me and, and, you know, we, she stays on the side of the stage during the shows and stuff. So she knows what we do, you know, but, you know, it's so funny, you know, you always hear about that kind of stuff, you know, even like at my daughter's school, you know, when I first started there, it was, you know, when we first started there, you know, it was like, you know, there was a little bit of intrigue, you, sure. you know, because the parents, you know, because the parents knew I was a guy in a band and stuff. But, you know, that goes away quick, man. You know, <laughs> it's amazing how quickly, you know, you, you know, the, the, the sheen wears off of that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, it's even quicker with your, uh, you know, with your own kid. No doubt about it. Um, Robbie, thank you so much for doing this. Um, you know, stay safe through this whole thing. I know you are, and I can't wait till you guys can get back on the road and we can all be doing the thing that we love to do in the environments that we enjoy doing them in and get back to normal, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, it is nice to be here in my little back room and, you know, got blankets on the walls and stuff. It's kind of cool back here, but yeah, I need to get out there again. <laughs> Thanks for doing this today. I really appreciate <laughs> all it. All right, brother.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.